Hey everyone, thanks for watching today. And last week's episode, we had Luke Bourgeois on and it was a fantastic episode. And today we are going to resume that very episode. So go ahead, click in and enjoy this week's episode. The beginning and it's, it, it, you know, you, you've listed out some of the challenges. You've, you, you started off foster, then you had a biological. Mm-hmm. And um, get us to, um, I know now you have some children that are in your home, one mm-hmm. biological and some who are adopted. So how did that come about? So, you know, fast forwarding, telling the story really fast. We had a biological son after all that. Belinda got pregnant, carried him to term. And this is this is Brandon. Brandon. This is this is our son. He 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 was one hundred percent healthy, fine. We ended up having another child that did not that lived for two days. Oh wow! So I watched one for two hours, one for two days. Yep. And I watched, uh, you know, Belinda. She was holding him when he took his last breath. Wow. Uh, and so it was. Uh, it took a toll on our marriage. There's so much story in there. I'm telling it really fast, but there is a lot of life that happened in all of, in, in that story. Yeah. And then we basically quit everything. Quit everything. You know, uh, didn't want to do fostering anymore. Didn't want to do anything anymore. Hmm. And we had a number of foster children in between them, you know, that just came and stayed with us for a time. But we said, uh, no more. We're not going to do it. Uh, it's too, too much to our heart hurts too bad and you you can really you know that you can really take that and internalize it and when you internalize it enough it's going to come and go externally and it's going to come out right at the person you love the most which is going to be your spouse and that is exactly what we did you know knowing that that everybody's told us hey make sure you don't do this we did that you know like we said we did the exact thing that everybody said not to do we internalized it and then it just came out in anger you know, against our, against each other. Uh, you know, I, we were at one point, and we'll, we'll, we won't sit here long, but at one point in our uh, marriage, it was loveless, it was sexless, we were roommates, and the only reason we stayed together was because Brandon needed a dad and a mom. And if it wasn't for us having that biological kid in between, we would have gotten divorced. Wow. And we would have both been happy about it, like, because we didn't like each other, we didn't want to hang out with each other anymore, it was, you know, it was not great. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of story to tell there too. Yeah. Eventually, you know, uh, one of the things that you that everyone needs to know in marriage, you can never fix your spouse. Yeah. You can only fix you. Yeah. And so that's what I started to do. It's like, okay, I'm here. I'm gonna make the best of it. Let's fix me. And God gave me specific things to do. I always think about Joshua chapter 7 when uh, they were defeated because they took some of the treasures from those tents and they were in and and the Israelites kept them. And Joshua, when they're defeated at the hands of Ai, or Ai, however you want to pronounce Mm -hmm. it, Pastor Kim would know. And so uh, when they were defeated at the hands of Ai, he he goes to God and he says, what what in the world are you? are you going to do about this? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's very unsanitized. It's very emotional. And you hear him say, you hear him say things like, this is ridiculous. You're going to let us come across Egypt, mm-hmm. come across the Jordan. We would have been fine over there. And now we're here. And now that they've seen that we're beaten, everyone is going to surround us and everyone's going to come after us. What are you going to do about it, God? That's what Joshua said. Mm-hmm. Like, who shall carry your great name when we're all dead? 
That's what Joshua says. And so uh, God immediately responds, get up, get the dust off of your face, and then he just lays out one step at a time for Joshua. Mm -hmm. This is that one step. I can't tell Joshua all the things that we're going to do. Because Joshua's so ticked off right now, he's going to say no. But if I just give him one step, we can do that. And that is exactly what God did for me. He gave me one step every day to do. And I would do those. And we got into a much better place and are constantly getting there. So here we are. We're healing. You know, fast forward that story because there's there's a lot of story there. But fast forwarding that story, we're healing. And Belinda says, you know, I think I think we're ready. I think I'm ready to, to maybe open up our home again. Well, it had been so long, our license expired, so we had to go get recertified, go through all those classes again. And this time we decided to use Buckner, which is how I know the difference between working directly for the, with the state agency and that third party. So we do those classes and we start getting kids and we start getting, you know, opening up our home. And uh, these kids come in and, and we had we had some pretty uh, rough stories, some great stories. Uh, you know, there's uh, right before we got the two girls that we have, it's a sibling group of three and they were all, uh, they were all, so one of the, the girls was injured it took um, several days for them to get her to the hospital. When they did, um, it, there were suspicions. And so anytime that happens when, you're, when the kids are in the hospital, they look, hey, this arm is broken, and it's been broken for about a week. Like, that's a red flag. And they're like, mm, we should probably call CPS. And so they do, and then they go, there's some other things. We're going to go ahead and take a hair sample. Well, they did. Turns out all of our kids tested positive for meth. And so, which means they were around it, not that they were high on it, but they were around it. So, and it was very obvious that that, so that is an automatic removal, uh, you know, with all those things. And so here they are, and we have the sibling group, and they come to live with us. And now, at first, we only got the two girls, Rebecca and uh, Riley. Mm -hmm. And so they they came to live with us. And my wife, uh, and this is part of of that story, my wife says, the day that they're coming into our house, uh, she's like, you know what we should do? we should do like a big event. Like we should go, uh, we should go to the zoo, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, are, are you high? You know, like that's my first, my first thoughts right there. Why would you like, that sounds terrible, you know, to like kids that have never been here. And on top of that, we were also doing um, some respite care for another family with two boys. And so now we've got five kids in our house, two boys that are ADHHHHHHD that are on like they are each on about three to four pills per meal to combat their ADHD and then we've got these two girls that we've never met before and our biological son and uh, we're gonna go to the zoo like I'm just like all I can think about is Harambe you know like (laughs) like that's we're gonna be we're gonna be that story somebody's gonna fall into the lion's den somebody's gonna get uh, you know all all of that I'm just and God speaks to me very clearly he says this. He says, this will not work without your energy behind her ideas. I need you to say yes to whatever she suggests, and I need you to give it everything you have. That's what God told me to do. It was very specific, and I, I mean, it, it was very clear. Mm-hmm. Do this. And so when she says, the next thing that she says, you know, is let's take these kids to the zoo. And I'm like, oh my God, that's a terrible idea. Why would you ever do that? And then God said, pop, pop, pop. What did I say, son? And so instead of me saying that's a terrible idea, the first words that came out of my mouth was, 
Yeah, we absolutely should. And you know what? We can get the wagon, and we can load up a bunch of snacks, and we can start throwing out all these ideas of what I can do and what she can do. And she looks at me, and she 100% expected me to say this is a terrible idea. She expected me to poo-poo every idea that came out of her mouth. And she looked at me in such shock. and Because I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And she goes, yeah, and I can make sandwiches. <laughs> and, you know, and next thing you know, like that was one of the biggest steps in the healing of our marriage wow. right there. Because I just did the next step that God gave me to do. And she let me. You know, that is one of the big things. You know, I think that one of the biggest challenges in marriage is guys' unwillingness to take that next big step. And women, wives, struggle with letting them do that. Yeah. It is very easy to sit back and judge the mistakes of yesterday. Oh, you're finally taking out the trash? Mm. Well, man, let the man take out. He's doing what you want. <laughs> Stop fussing him for finally doing the thing that you want him to do. You know, let him do that. And so I finally started doing that. And she started letting me. So here we are. We bring those girls in. It was a great day. It was a core memory for those kids. A core memory. Like they still remember the second day they were with us when they got to go to the zoo. Wow. And so How beautiful. They were four and five at that time. They are 10 and 11 now. They've been with us now longer than they haven't been with us. Yeah. And uh, along the way, about three months after that, we got there a brother who was a little bit older at the time. He was seven at that mm -hmm. time. Uh, and keep in mind, you know, uh, they had yet to complete a full year, year of school, any of them. Mm -hmm. You know, so we had a four or five-year-old. So she was young anyway. Five-year-old never finished school. The seven-year-old had never mm -hmm. finished a year of school. Uh, and so they, they come into our house. There are so many challenges uh, with acclimating, you know, kids to your culture. And uh, one of the big challenges I would, I would say is you've got a family culture, and whenever you bring in new people to it, it's going to affect your culture. You know, be ready for that. Uh, my, my father told me the story, like, you know, imagine culture is your table. You're, you're standing up on this table, and I am reaching down to pick people up to stand on this table with me. That's acclimating people to the culture. Well, what is more likely to happen? If I was to stand up on this table and try to lift you up with me, while you're trying to pull me down, the most likely thing to happen is that you're going to pull me down a lot easier than I'm going to be able to pull you up. Mm -hmm. Well, that's family culture. Your family culture has to be so strong and so solid that it can pick those other people up. Yeah. And it, it, so that means you've got to be grounded. You've got to be grounded in the Word. It has to be biblical. And uh, again, I can't emphasize the importance of a church family. In that, you know, being able to bring your kids to church and yes. have a solid place for them to go. Uh, you know, there, there are so many stories that I could talk about VBS with kids who have come and gone from our household. And the one thing that they took, the thing that, I, that they knew that I know was their little VBS sheet that says on July 27th, you know, 2008, let it be known that this child... Yeah. gave his heart to Christ. You know, yeah. our kids are leaving our houses with those certificates signed by yeah. Pastor Kendall and all it. that. And, I you love know, it. So we're we're doing we're doing those things. Having a church home helps with that stability, but it is inevitable that it will change your family culture and your family dynamics. Connecting with those kids and bringing them up to what you expect rather than letting them bring you down yes. to where they are is probably the most difficult part. 
And, you know, I, I know I'm speaking in terms of a metaphor here, but those things, that is done in your day-to-day -day choices. You cannot do that by accident. That has to be strategic. Yeah. It has to be on purpose, and you have to have a plan for doing that. I love that. Well, you, you, we, we've listed out uh, a, a, a full life lived, and we could go on for hours listening because this is the story that you and your wife Belinda have is is one that's worth hearing. Um, I will say we've listed some of the challenges, you know, and I know that you mentioned some of the joys that you remember back. Mm -hmm. What are some other joys for someone who is who is looking into fostering? What would you say? What were some things that you would say that are that make it worth the while of investing in fostering? So there's there's a lot of things. So big picture stuff, you know, um, everything that God has done, every action he's taken, every story he's told, everything he's gotten you to do, everything he's called me to do mm -hmm. has all been about his family. It's all been about redeeming souls and creating a family. Yes. There is no higher calling. There is no greater purpose. We get to experience that on a smaller level in our households of we are creating a family. So, when you have the opportunity to foster, you know, one of the biggest joys that you get is you are in the business of redeeming young souls. That is what you are in the business of. Yeah. I am not just giving someone a place to live. Mm -hmm. I am redeeming them. Mm -hmm. I am changing your family tree. I am changing everything where they were going to something new. Yeah. In a very significant way. Not only am I changing this young man's life, I am changing every child that he will have, every generation, for the rest of his line, I am changing. So we are redeeming family trees. That is what uh, fostering is. Yeah. Especially fostering under uh, the, the biblical... Uh, the, doing it biblically. Mm -hmm. You are redeeming family trees. It is so uh, w when you're when you're talking about you know generational curses because because this is a generational curses are a big part of fostering it's one of the big challenges but when you're talking about that there are so many things where what that son struggled with the father struggled with the grandfather struggled with and then his son will now I mean it just passes down the same things you see it and and God even talks about this you know these curses will endure you know if you, to the to for generations he says but but if you turn and you call my name and you become my son, my blessings will follow you for a thousand generations. Beautiful. You know, that is what we are doing. Yeah. So we are not just, you know, we're not just breaking family curses, but we are inciting family blessings. And the blessings of God endure significantly longer and are more powerful than any curse of the devil could. And so that is what we're doing. So big picture, there's that. Like you know that you're doing that. You know, and, and I mentioned it before. There was a there was a child he was leaving. He'd been with us for 18 months. I thought I was going to adopt him. Mm -hmm. And I'm going through his stuff his last day in my house. And I'm looking through his papers. And they have uh, they teach you to do things like there are things that need to be theirs no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. And there's things that are they're kind of co stuff. Like they can't take the couch with them. You know, mm -hmm. they can't take their favorite chair with them. But they take 
their stuffed animal. Their, their, and so he has a stack of significant things. And these are the things that even if we get mad, even if he's punished, we don't take them away. Right. You know what I mean? Because right. these kids have so many things taken away from him. We protect this. This is yours no matter what, son. And so I'm going through his stack of important things, and I'm gathering them up for him because he is moving out. And I find his VBS certificate. And God speaks to me. He says, no, in your heart, son, this is forever. And I looked at it, and I saw the date, and I was like, ah. Oh. And it just broke down, you know, and just like, ah. Oh. Dad, come, you know. And if so, not for any other reason. If not for any other it reason. It was for that. Right Well, there. Well, you know, as we are winding down, you know, we, you know, we may have to, you know, have another podcast maybe. Yeah. But, you know, if, if, if you could tell someone one thing, you know, if there's a family that is considering fostering and, or they're looking into adopting and it's something that they're really interested in, if you can leave them with one more nugget, one thing, if you were to tell someone, what would you tell you? So I think, you know, with a lot of things that we start, we want to be perfect before we start it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I would go work out at the gym, but I don't want to look like this going, well, that's why you go work out at the gym, you know, is to improve and to be better. Same thing with fostering, like, well, you know, he's talking about those things with family and all that. And I don't, I don't have those tools. Um, I don't have the ability. I, our family doesn't have a great culture. In fact, we probably shouldn't subject any more people to, to what goes on here on, you know, the car rides to church or whatever. But know this, it is a process and that I promise you what you have to offer is worthy of being had. And you're... There are children out there who need you that do not know your name. There are children out there that need you as a dad, that need you as a mom. And they may not know who you are. And God has called you to go redeem them. Yeah. And so if God, if you have it in your heart and you're thinking about fostering, and the most common one is what we face. You know, I'm thinking about fostering, says the wife, and the husband is not on board. That is very common. Because it's very hard for a guy to fall in love with a kid until they see them. You know, moms fall in love with babies when they're growing. You know, they fall in love with the idea. They're thinking about it all the time. Guys, I didn't, I didn't want to do it until the second I looked into my son's face and I was instantly, irrevocably in love with him. Yeah. And so don't let those feelings, those feelings of fear, those feelings of what if I'm not enough, you know, the idea that you're talking about it, I promise you, that is God. I'm not saying do something that leverages your family in a position that is untenable, right. to put yourself in a bad spot. But I'm saying God does not call you to do that if he is not going to walk with you. That's right. If you are thinking about it, if you are considering it, I guarantee you it is because that voice in the wilderness is crying out, I need families. I need someone. I have these kids, these potential future saved souls and I just need a family to connect them with yeah. because I do not have enough. Yes. And God is speaking yes. to you. Oh my gosh, do it. <laughs> you know, do it because yeah. you are needed. We need more foster families. That is great. Luke, I really want to thank you for being on this podcast. Today was a very, very good, great discussion and we learned so much and I believe that somebody here today has heard something that will speak to them for the rest of their life. So uh, thank you again. And to all of our viewers today, we want to thank you for watching. And remember that your family matters. And if you are willing to take one step, 
God will help you along the rest. And as we close, feel free to click, to click subscribe so that you can watch and get notifications for every new episode that drops. I want to thank you for joining and remember that your family matters. God bless you.